When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. Hello and welcome. This is Talk the Plank, episode 42 of Pittsburgh Pirates podcast on SB Nation's Bucks Dugout. I'm Nathan Hirsch, and today, as always, I'm here with Jake Slobodnik. Jake, how's it going? It's all right, man. How about you? Uh, not too bad. Um, I just had to endure these past two games as a Pirates fan, but... I guess compared to some of the games this season, these weren't all too bad. The Pirates lost both games in a short two-game series against the White Sox in Chicago. They lost last night 4-2, to two, and tonight they lost 6-3. to three. Tomorrow, they continue their Chicago road trip uh, at the Cubs at Wrigley, so we'll see how that goes. But yeah, uh, pretty much... Pretty much in this little mini game, two two game series, you saw one team is playoff bound. They're really good, and another one is one of the worst four teams in baseball. And uh, the White Sox didn't blow out the Pirates by any means, but the way I saw it, they were pretty much able to. They were able to pretty much, uh, you know, take their foot off the gas and coast easily into two wins. Basically, sleepwalk their way to two wins and. That's what happened, uh, Jake. What do, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, kind of. I was kind of just numb to this entire series. I mean, we knew that it wasn't going to be a good series, nonetheless. But, but the White Sox, yeah. I mean, they like you said, they didn't blow out the Pirates, so that's a positive. Um, there's only two games that we had to endure instead of three. It's another positive. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, just looking at like, I'm just going to talk about tonight's game just because yesterday's is just such a blur. Tonight's, you know it's bad when Cole Tucker and Anthony Alford are the stars of the game. I mean, Cole Tucker, who doesn't hit anything all season long, had two hits. Meanwhile, you know, normally, you know, our starters just drop out and do nothing. Anthony Alford, congratulations on a 430 solo blast. But, I mean, it was just, it was just a, a weird game. I mean, I really didn't feel much emotion behind it. Uh, congrats to Shelby Miller on a good outing in his first uh, first relief appearance for the Pirates. Kranich did all right, but just wasn't impressed. You know, but, I mean, at this point in the season, it's kind of hard to be disappointed in a team that's already declared uh, eliminated from postseason contention, po- eliminated from a winning season, eliminated from any sort of happiness other than a, a top-five draft pick. So, <laughs> I mean, just it, it's whatever, you know, obviously – the White Sox are playoff bound. So hopefully we go into uh, the into Wrigley Field next and hopefully split a four-game series with the Cubs. And I don't know what it's, what's going to happen, but those are just my initial thoughts on tonight. 
Yeah, um, you're you're pretty much right. Uh, looking at it here, Cole Tucker was two for four. That's probably his first multi-hit game in the major leagues since maybe 2019, I swear, if he's ever done it. I'm sure he's done it at least once, but two for four from him, the leadoff hitter, which when I saw that, when I saw Cole Tucker and Kevin Newman back-to-back in the lineup one-two, I, I had a good chuckle out of that. But then when you look at the rest of the lineup, I mean, Reynolds, Moran, three-four, Stallings, five. That's pretty much on par with all season long. But then then you got Yoshi in the six-hole. Um, he didn't do much tonight, one-for-four. Defoe, seventh. I'm surprised he wasn't first or second. And then Alfred and Park, eighth and ninth. Um, yeah, the home run from Alfred was nice. The catch in which he dove into the netting in the stands was pretty nice i believe that was in the eighth inning pitching wise max Cranick got the start four and two thirds he gave up eight hits five earned two walks struck out one that line looks pretty pretty bad but i liked a little bit of what i saw from him just like yesterday i liked a little bit of what i saw from bryce wilson the thing is with these starting pitchers on the pirates they show flashes uh, within the start, you know, maybe a few batter sequence, maybe an inning where it's a nice three up, three down inning. Maybe they get six in a row. But the thing about this season with the Pirates starting pitching is that they're just never able to string together a really good full outing where six innings, one earned, seven innings, dare I say seven innings, two earned. They just aren't able to put it all together for a whole start and we saw more of that tonight um your guy Shelby Miller who uh you called on the last podcast potentially getting called up he made his Pirates debut tonight and looked pretty solid um gave up a double to Yasmani Grandal but was able to uh, get out of that via a double play struck out a batter as well only 10 pitches so good for Shelby Miller and his Pirates debut your other favorite pitcher, Dwayne Underwood Jr., he gave up a home run in the eighth inning, the second for Sheets, as you mentioned. Um, yeah, I mean, like I said, this game pretty much pretty much to be expected, the results that we saw. And, um, I mean, I guess we could talk about yesterday a little bit. Derek Shelton, I don't know if you saw – made a he had a pretty quick hook with his starting pitcher have you heard that one before um Bryce Wilson in I think it was the sixth inning he had been cruising up to that point cruising in the fact that uh he only gave up two runs on two solo homers so um like he was he was looking pretty good through five innings in the sixth inning though he gave up a hit to Jose Abreu, which could have easily been an out. Uh, Defoe made a high throw to first base. They called it a hit somehow. I don't know how it was a hit. It was an, it was clearly an error. The throw was high. He would have been out, but whatever. And then after that, uh, Eloy Jimenez hit a bloop single into right field. So basically it was first and third, no outs. And Shelton came out. Short leash, took him out. Jason Shreve came in, immediately walked the first two batters he saw. At the time, before Shreve came in, it was 2-2. Two to two, But uh, walked two hitters, forced in a run, made it 3-2. He'd eventually give up another sack fly to make it 4-2. That was the final score in the first game. But Wilson, 
Four earned. I think he deserved a better fate, and I think he at least deserved a chance to wiggle out of that jam at that point. He had only thrown 69 pitches, but as we've seen with Derek Shelton all season long, he just doesn't have a feel for when to push the right buttons. Sometimes he'll leave his starter in too long. They'll get obliterated. Sometimes he'll pull them too quick. The bullpen won't come through. And, like, I get it. This team isn't talented whatsoever. And most of the time, the decisions will be – they'll look wrong regardless. But I don't know. With Shelton, I just feel like – I feel like he he has a knack for just making these decisions. And it just seems like they work out in the worst – possible ways each and every time and uh i just want to say one last quick point early in the year we've we've kind of had our arguments should we fire Derek shelton should we not i've kind of always been on the side of meh it doesn't really matter it's not the manager's fault but i have to say i mean if they fired him after this season i would not i would not be uh mad about it one bit and uh I couldn't, I actually, I kind of want to see him get fired after the season because like I said, the talent non-existent all season long, but I just, I think Shelton is in over his head and he just makes the worst possible decisions constantly. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, you, as well as many of our listeners know my feelings on Derek Shelton. I know I've been (laughs) back and forth sometimes this season about how I feel about whether he should be fired or not, but. I mean, at this point, it couldn't be any clearer that this dude needs to hit the curb or hit the can. I mean, what what would pro- what would be shorter? His time spent promoting the the whatever what the fuck it was, the perfect swing or something, or his tenure as a Pirates manager? I I think it's hard. It's a close tie between those two. Um, <laughs> I mean, they're this quick to pull the, the the hook on Rick Eckstein as the hitting coach, and the fact yep. that. Derek Shelton is going to oversee that too. And clearly it's not going to work out. I mean, we're already how many games into post Rick Eckstein and pirates just can't get any rhythm on offense. Um, you, you talk about that game yesterday and it's just so funny because prior to that, we were talking about the possibility, the American dream of letting starters go past six innings. You can't <laughs> get them. You, you can barely get them into the, into the sixth inning sometimes because Shelton just pulls them and, I mean, if he's trying to save face for starters, it's just not working because whether or not they just look terrible. Um, And why in the hell does he always go with Jason Shreve in a do or die situation? I'm not saying Jason Shreve is a terrible reliever. He is just not good in crunch time. Like he is more as a mop up reliever. Not that he's not that great. He's not a lights out uh, reliever and you know we questioned why nobody took a flyer on him at the trade deadline offered maybe like a low round prospect this is why he can't perform when situations are tough and i think Derek shelton realizes that and considering you know he's trying to sit he's trying to preserve the tank i don't i think it's obvious now that Derek shelton is just trying to keep the pirates in tanking mode you think like, yes you can't seriously tell me that with the decisions he's making that you would look at them and just say, you know what, I, I, I understand this move. You look at it and say, okay, like I, I just chase and shriek, just back to that. Every time there was a bad situation, you know, a tight situation, he brought in Shreve. Before that, it was Clay Holmes. <laughs> like there, there was, if you're in a tight game, all right, or, you know, tied it to, 
what have you. I would throw my best reliever out there, arguably Chris Stratton at this moment, or maybe Underwood, possibly. But Underwood, I yeah, I like him, but I don't think he's ready for those type of situations yet. Yeah. But there is just there 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 can't be anybody to tell me that Derek Shelton has a winning mindset when it comes to just how he manages in game, sets his lineups every day. You know, Bryce Wilson, he talks about getting these young guys some reps, but yet he yanks them the first instinct of trouble. Like, yes. yeah, I mean, he gave up a few hits in that sixth inning yesterday. Questionable soft hits. Right. And the fact that Shelton just quickly pulled him, like, you know, he, it baffles me because he always talks about getting these young guys some looks. You know, that's where we're at in the season is letting the young guys play, see what they can bring to the table next year. But when you have a manager that doesn't let them, it's kind of hard to fulfill that. And like you said, I wouldn't be upset if Derek Shelton was gone next season. I wouldn't even care if we went into the season with no manager. No manager is better than Derek Shelton at this point, and I strongly believe that. Like, the dude just – I don't know. I just look at him, and I can clearly tell that that guy is just not ready to manage a big league ball club. I – <sighs> it's just so baffling watching him sometimes. And, you know, there's some guys who could get some more looks in the game, you know, Kranich, Wilson, Brault even, I know he's coming off injury, but like there are, these guys could go out there, pitch five perfect innings and Shelton be the first person to pull them. But yet Mm -hmm. you send like Mitch Keller out there, he'll send, he'll give up 10 runs in the first inning and Shelton will keep him out there for seven. It just, (laughs) And, and the sad part is, is I feel like that's not even far-fetched because I feel like if we're running into that situation at one point or another, that's going to happen. And I don't want that to happen. In conclusion, Derek Shelton, I I hope he has his bags packed and he's got his resume <laughs> updated and all this other shit because this <laughs> dude's going to be flipping burgers at McDonald's at the end of the season. Dude has no place on a major league ball club. If anything... Bring Don Kelly and see what he can do as a manager. I'm, I would, I, I would rather see him. I'd even see Joel Hanrahan come up, try from AAA, call him up, option, option Shelton down to AAA and bring ham, Hammer Time up, let him coach a few major league games just to see what we can do. Bring a breath of fresh life into this organization because I just can't. It, I think this is why I'm like numb to watching games anymore. It's just Derek Shelton. Like we all know what's coming. Anytime we build a lead, he's going to bring somebody in to blow it, or he's going to leave somebody in too long who shouldn't be out there. And it's it's almost storybook. It's almost textbook, honestly. And it's just so aggravating to watch anymore. I, I just don't understand it, but Derek Shelton needs to need. Dare I say Jacob Stallings, player manager? Um, <laughs> maybe a defensive coach hitting wise i wouldn't trust him not hitting but i feel like uh he'd get his pitchers on track no i will say this about shelton i uh i think you're giving him too much credit if you think that he's uh trying to lose and is uh embracing the tank i just think he sucks <laughs> uh, i just think he's making the wrong decisions but yeah i mean it is it is tough to watch but also, this team, um, if you look at it, heading into tonight, tonight's lineup in spe- uh, specifically, um, out of the nine hitters, and they're all hitters, four of them had batting averages under 200. Let's see, one, two, three, four, five had on-base percentages under 300. 
And let's see here, one, two. Okay, only three had slugging percentages under 300. But if you go to the next spot up, all but two have slugging percentages under 400. So the hitters suck, the pitchers suck, the talent is just non-existent. But yeah, Shelton just, it's, he's just... He doesn't I mean, add he, anything to it other than just the cherry on top. Yeah, and, like, I get it. These players aren't good, but it's not like the coaching is helping them whatsoever. Uh, Eckstein canned. I wouldn't mind seeing Marine canned. Uh, Shelton canned. I mean, these play like, what? Kevin Newman was a 300 hitter in 2019. Now he's the worst player in baseball. Um, it's just, there's just, there's nothing. There's been no like breakout stars. Not even stars. There's, there's been no breakout replacement level players. You'd expect at least one, like or two. There's just there. I get it. There's no talent, but there's no, there's no uh, development or progression at the major league level at all. It's just stagnant, terrible, crappy play. And uh, yeah, so I I do agree just clean house i guess i don't know i'd see this is the point though where at at this point in the rebuild i just i don't know i don't know where to go next because at the major league level there's nothing there's reynolds and there's hayes and that's it at the triple a level there's miguel yahure who hope as a starting pitcher can come up and be pretty nice perhaps next year Maybe Travis Swaggerty, but then other than that, nothing of interest. Then at Double A, you start to see some players, and obviously it's Single A and Low A. There's players down there, but I mean, like heading into this off season, what what do you do? Like, do you bring in major league players? Do you just suck and tank terribly for one more season, and then perhaps in 2023, those players from Double A and Single A are ready to come up? Or maybe is next year just a season where some of these prospects in Double A start to make their way up, and they just kind of uh, they weave they weave themselves onto the major roster, and perhaps the beginning of next season is really ugly until we get some of that help. Which, I mean, they're going to be rookie players coming up, so they're they're not going to carry the team then either. I'm just wondering how this looks with the younger players coming up and like, I don't know. I like personally for me, I would like to see them sign a few free agents. Give me a real right fielder or left fielder. Give me another outfielder. Give me, I don't know, like a placement holder shortstop. Give me, I mean, a placement level or a a placeholder second baseman sign a starter or two just please something but i don't know what's gonna happen and i think this offseason it's gonna be kind of a crossroads for ben sherrington as the gm because everything up to this point he's done right but at the same time everything up to this point has been the easiest part of a gm gms love ripping it down that's they some GMs would rather rip it down and play with the roster than actually win title after title after title because once you have the success, you don't really have to do much as a GM. You just get to enjoy the fruits of your, uh, you know, previous moves. But the easy part has been done. They ripped it down to the studs. They traded literally anyone with any value whatsoever, and 
now it's time to add and now it's time to develop and uh I'm not doubting Sherrington and company, but I'm I'm a little nervous to see what happens because if they're this bad again next season, I mean, I I just I I know they're not going to be good next season, but I'm just wondering like how 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 what's it going to look like? What's the next 15 16 months look like? And uh I mean, I'm excited to see, but I'm also extremely nervous to see, too. You know, through all of that, I I feel bad for Charrington. I really do, because like you said, he's got that crossroads. And no matter what, there's always that looming element of the backlash that you get. No matter with what decision you make, you're going to have people saying, Shelton should have had another year. He just didn't have a team last year, blah, blah, blah. Then you're going to have the, the, the other people saying, no, Shelton sucks. He's, they're going to have us saying, like, you know, if they keep him. He should have been sooner. Yes. <laughs> no matter where you go, it's a double-edged sword with the Pirates. And it's not because, you know, Ben Charrington's failing in my eyes. It's because of the previous regime not really seeming to pick a direction, that is. Whereas Ch- Charrington has obviously shown some initiative. But like you said, every general manager, it's easy for them to look like a genius when they're tearing everything down. Because that's the plan. This offseason, when it comes to signing people, I don't know. Because I think this fan base can't take another losing season. I really don't think they can. Oh, they're going to have to. (laughs) Well, I mean, let me rephrase that. They're not going to take another 100-loss season. Because that's where we're heading. And there's no doubt about that. They can't take another 100-loss season. I think if, if they have to suffer another losing season, at least make it somewhat positive in a way like say you do sign a few notable stars or something or maybe a few placeholders that actually have some positive upside i don't know if his if he's out there this season it's this offseason brad miller all right he's in my eyes one of the most underrated players this in this generation nobody really understands him but i would seriously not bitch one bit if he were to get signed to the pirates and i don't mean as a trade chip not because of that typical bullshit where sign him cheap in the offseason and get a big haul for him at the deadline. Because I think that's just that's old noise at this point. And that just it just goes to show that the Pirates are still a revolving door. But I think we sign him, let him play a full year. Maybe if he produces, he stays as a valuable bench batter, utility player. I think that's the positive aspect of things, especially next year if we're going for another losing season. Make it tolerable, I guess, is the big theme here. You know, like I am so – I myself as a fan, not just as you know a podcaster or anything like that, just as a plain fan, I cannot take another losing season with, or another 100-loss season with Pittsburgh. It's just so old news at this point. I want to see a big step in the right direction. I think that starts this offseason with some decent signings, not maybe – obviously not like a, <laughs> like a Bryce Harper contract to any major star because that's just ruled out at this point. But, you know, something – new something you know innovative you know just something different for fuck's sake i would love to see that (laughs) but uh, yeah charrington has faced the crossroads especially if he faces that ultimatum of like look i'm a lot of the fan base hate shelton that's a plain fact do i get rid of him or not or do i just let him stay around until we start winning again that's when i get get rid of him i feel bad for him i really do but we need hitters just in plain and simple fact, like, yes, we need pitchers too, you know, especially with our AAA team not really producing much. 
you know, we need notable pitchers. I don't think that's going to happen. I think we'd go after hitters first just because of our very poor hitting the past few seasons. Um, but pitching is definitely a big issue. Triple um, A, you you pretty much broke it down with bare bones and pure facts. There's just nothing really, nothing really there. I mean, there's a few decent star or decent players there. I keep wanting to say stars, but can't really say stars when they aren't the bait the best. Um, like, I, I mean, it's just going to be a rough few years, and I mean. I understand Charrington's motive to let the the farm system grow in of itself. Like, let the players on Greensboro come up as a team. Let the players on Altoona come up as a group. I respect that, and I think that really helps build chemistry and help, you know, build a winning culture is keeping the winning teams together. I mean, we see what they're doing down there in low and high A and somewhat in Altoona. And I think that's that, that shows promise for the future. But as for right now, the goal should be just to make sure that we don't go through another 100 loss season. Cause I think that's when you're really going to start to lose fans and piss them off. And cause it, it's just, I know this is like, it may seem like I'm just going in circles of this, but like, I, I feel for Charrington. I feel where he's at. I understand that it's a tough place and it's always tough, especially when you take over a losing club, but you gotta, like I said this earlier this season, the teardown needs to stop at some point and the build back up needs to start sometime soon. We can't just keep building it down because then there's never going to be a positive outlook or a positive reaction from fans. You gotta, you gotta just start building up soon. And I think this off season is a big, big opportunity for us to start doing that. And I hope Sherrington does that. And it also goes hand in hand with the management too, because I think we could overhaul that entire coaching staff I don't know about you, but I think we can start from the manager and go all the way down to the third base coach. I really do. But the no pun intended, the buck stops here. We got to start building up soon. Yeah, I agree. And um, I mean, I'm just looking at a free agent list right now. There's definitely decent players at every position. Like it's a pretty decent class. And there's there's some there's some players that that could be had for like a cheap cheap deal like i'm just looking at the starters right now tyler anderson he will be a free agent um you look at you look at like what the san francisco giants who are still one of the best teams in baseball they signed alex wood to a one-year three million dollar deal they signed anthony de sclafani one year six million dollars they signed um, – who else did they sign? Who who am I forgetting? There's one more that – Kevin Gosman, who's been really good. They signed him to a pretty cheap deal. I'm trying to see how many years. It was uh, – oh, it was one year – wow, one year close to $19 million. That's more than I thought. But still, it's a one-year deal. Um, and he's been obviously really, really good. So there's players out there that can be signed for cheap deals. And I guess this year for the Pirates, like Tyler Anderson was a nice one-year signing, and they they traded him and got got some players. But I mean, I just I'm just I'm just trying to think like the start the uh, the opening day lineup next season is just gonna be it's we're gonna see Kevin Newman be the opening day shortstop. We're gonna see. Um, I don't even know who else. We might see Anthony Alford as the opening day left fielder again. It's just going to be 
these same crappy players and we're just we're just waiting and it it's only been one full season of waiting and it feels like it's been 10 but I just have a feeling that next season we're gonna have to wait one more season and have a similar season to this one where we're looking and it's September 1st and the Pirates are 48 and 85 I think next year is gonna be the same until 2023 when it's time for O'Neill Cruz to come up and Nick Gonzalez to come up and Paguero and Quinn Priester and all these really good-looking prospects. Shout out to Nick Gonzalez, who has just been absolutely um, destroying it lately. I'm just looking at his season stats now. Uh, 277 at-bats, 16 home runs. Uh, he's hitting 303, 369, 567. He's been insanely good. Good for him. Jared uh, Triolo has also been really good. He's not really like a high-end prospect, but we can sit here all day and like salivate at how good these prospects look. But until they actually get here, it's just going to be it's, – it's, it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough to watch this team because this team is just so bad, and it's going to be tough to – watch the manager decisions and i mean i will say i kind of went overboard a little bit placing all his blame on Sheldon. like he is he's a really bad manager i do think but i mean this roster the talent on this roster is just absolute like this honestly looking at this lineup tonight this might be one of the worst lineups that i've ever seen as a fan of the pirates and that's me beginning my fandom in about 2002, 2003 or so as a 9-, uh, 10-year-old. Um, this this lineup's really, really terrible. I, I, I uh, wrote it out with, you know, how many hitters are hitting under 200, on base under 300. It's really, really terrible. And um, I, I don't think it's going to get ne better next year, to be honest. I really don't. I think we're going to have to wait one more season until 23 when these prospects are closer and closer it is it just sucks because like like we said indianapolis there's no high-end prospects besides i mean maybe travis swaggerty maybe miguel yure we'll see what happens but double a there's there's more there's Cruz. there's mason martin if you want to consider him and then obviously there is um on the pitching side Contreras, who's been hurt lately but yeah i don't know diego castillo he just got called up correct to triple a so perhaps we'll see him soon but it's just gonna be a while because the farther you go back the more talent there is in greensboro actually i would i would argue that at greensboro that is where the most future talent lies with gonzalez with paguero with um priester and tanaj thomas on the pitching end um, but I mean, it's, it's just going to be a while. It's just still going to be a while. And I feel like tonight we just feel a little more frustrated than we have felt, um, in general, just because I think we feel more frustrated tonight because you watch that White Sox team and that is how a team is supposed to be built the up and down their lineup. They've got boppers on the pitching side. They have a clear ace. They have a guy, Carlos Rodon, who started tonight, pitched five innings, only gave up one run. That was a guy that they signed to a cheap deal, um, and he's he's really been great for them. But you just look at it. Like, Luis Robert, 
is a monster. He's hitting 337. Yoan Moncada, he's actually having a down year, but he's still really good. Jose Abreu, he's been there for a while. Really good, slugging almost 500. Jimenez, Beast, Grandal, solid free agent signing. That's just how a team is built. And um, I guess for me personally, looking at that team and then looking at the Pirates, it's just, it's going to be a while. And uh, that, that really, that's what really spoke to me in this series. Um, so looking at uh, Loe, Hudson Head's a kind of, he's an interesting prospect to me. Sorry, this is totally random, but I'm just looking at him right now. Batting average 209, on base percentage 362. And the slugging's at 392. That's pretty terrible. But also playing at, uh, in Bradenton, that's kind of a pitcher's park, and that's kind of a pitcher's league in general, if, I, if, I'm, uh, if I'm correct. But he's an interesting prospect in the Joe Musgrove deal. Andy Rodriguez, he's actually been really good. Don't, uh, don't count, count out Andy Rodriguez, who, kind of interesting, he's still in low A. Henry Davis, sadly, out for the season, number one overall pick. He was raking before he strained an oblique. That really sucks, but it's all right. Shut him down for the rest of the season. Get him get him started at uh, high A next season. But Andy Rodriguez, all year in uh, Bradenton, 289, 383 on base, 492 slugging. That's from a catcher. I mean, that's, that's something right there. Um, I know I'm just kind of rambling about random stuff. I have a few different web pages open, but I don't know. I guess, I guess at the end of the day, you just have to take a deep breath, continue to swallow the pill that is the current Pittsburgh Pirates, meditate a little bit, and just wait because uh, talent's on the way. Talent is coming. Winter is coming. Talent is coming, but it's going to be a while still. So hold on. Let me pose this question. Say this talent does come up. What if they catch the key Brian Hayes syndrome? I mean, he's Hayes was like he was the next big thing. Highly regarded as a rookie of the year prospect. Comes up, hurts his hand, second game of the year. Obviously hurt his wrist again, batting 240-something, five homers, just not putting up the numbers that – we wanted out of him, especially coming up with how well he was doing. What if these prospects just come up and just flop? Like, what does that say about the team? Does that say that, you know, the minor league system's great, the major league system's great, or the minor league, major league system's bad? Or is it saying, like, just these, these prospects just aren't quite reaching their full potential, and it's just unfortunate that it always happens when the Pirates are, you know, across their chest? I will say this about so I feel like last year, 2020, obviously Hayes hit 376, 442, 682 in just under 100 plate appearances. I think that kind of uh, set some unrealistic unreal- expectations for Hayes because if you look at Hayes, I'll compare him to, say, Nick Gonzalez in high A. At age 20, I know Gonzalez is uh, older than 20, but at age 20, Cabrian Hayes in high A, he hit 278, 345, 363 slugging. Hayes has not always been – he hasn't really been a great minor league hitter, and I feel like some of these 
guys coming up, we can say we can use uh, Paguero as an example. Paguero at high A this year, the shortstop in the Starling Marte trade. I believe he is. Uh, yeah, okay. Paguero's twenty years old, so we can compare Paguero to Hayes pretty pretty confidently. Both twenty, both in high A. Paguero so far this season, he's hitting two sixty seven, three twenty eight, but he's slugging four fifty seven. So someone like Paguero has more pop than someone like Hayes did it uh at high A. I just think I think with Hayes, like I kind of touched on this last pod. I feel like this is has kind of been like a lost season for him. But even so, I mean his war is still one point one. And that's in a half season's worth of games. So as a rookie, if he's a two, two and a half win player, I, I don't think that's anything to scoff at. I'm still not worried about Hayes in the future. Even if Hayes isn't a superstar studly hitter like he showed that he could be last season, even if he is a guy with an on base or an OPS plus, sorry, in the one to one fifteen range, he's still gonna be a really good player and Honestly, if I had to guess, in 2025, 2024, whenever all of these prospects come up, Hayes is probably hitting 7th, maybe 6th. I mean, if you look at it, Paguero, I feel like, has more upside with the bat. Nick Gonzalez, I definitely think, has more upside with the bat. O'Neal Cruz, I think, has more upside with the bat. Uh, Henry Davis... I think has more upside with the de- with the bat. Obviously, Brian Reynolds. You hope he's he sticks around uh, long enough for this next winning team. He is better than Hayes as a hitter. Um, so I I I think I think there's better hitters coming. Uh, I I still do think that Hayes has a chance to uh, not replicate what he did in 2020 because that those are like Ty Cobb fucking numbers, but. I, I think Hayes, you know, 246, 317, 370 this year with, you know, some, some injuries and whatnot. But I think, like, long term, I would hope that Hayes can be, like, a 280, 360 on base, 450, 440-ish slugging, maybe, like, a 15 to 20 home run guy with, playing the best defense in the major leagues uh, at third base. He's probably a four to five win player. He's probably going to go to some all-stars, but I think long-term wise, I don't think Hayes is, he's not, he's a core piece for sure. There's no denying that, but I don't think he's one of the big boppers in this, uh, this future lineup that we're kind of uh, talking about here. That's fair to say. I mean, obviously the hitting is a strength, through all these teams, especially the younger ones, low A, high A, like I said, a little bit in Altoona. Um, mm-hmm. and, and you, you do bring up a point, and I think Hayes could be in that, you know, sixth, seventh role whenever we finally are contenders. I just fear because I see all these prospects that we held to such a high standard over the years. Cole Tucker, Key Brian Hayes. And I, I say Hayes just because of what he's doing now. Um, I'm trying to yeah. think. Tony Sanchez, maybe. Um we held them to such a high standard and then, oh, Pedro Alvarez is another one and Gregory Polanco. They all came up to the big leagues, had okay seasons, but they didn't wow us. You know, I wasn't, and I don't want like Henry Davis who is held to an even higher standard because he was the number one overall pick to just come up and be like a two 
30 hitter. I don't want him to be like that. And I fear for what could happen. Say he does, you know, he ends up like that. I, I obviously it's still a long road away, but I just, I just don't want that to happen. I don't want the, I don't want these kids. And I say that loosely to come up and just flop because of just poor management by the ML, by the major league club, or just because they haven't peaked yet. And, I mean, with the load of talent that we have now, obviously with each high-end prospect we get, you know, that's obviously, that could be more difficult to do and that's underperformed, but you just got to pose that question sometimes because I, like I said, I don't want these kids coming up and just absolutely sucking. And then we just go, well, what the hell? Like these viewers were so nice at first and this was supposed to be our World Series team. And now all of a sudden we can barely muster 60 wins with this squad. Like it's, (laughs) It's, I, and this could be just me being a cynical Pirates fan because of all the years of mediocrity and just, you know, complacent that we have with just being a terrible team that I have to pose this question. But, like, you know, obviously we all hope that these guys end up well. And obviously we won't only, we'll only be able to tell when they're finally up in the big leagues. I just, I don't know, man. It's just one of those things where we look at what happens right now. We're, that's a bet, that's a good ex, good way of putting it. We're we're so living in the now that the future we hold we hold to a bleak standard, but it could be a lot better. And I hope that that's I hope that that's how it is. I hope we are good when twenty twenty three twenty four rolls around. Uh, it's just going to be a long hell of a road. Yeah, no, you're right, and I like that. That's the age old baseball team building question. Um, how many of these guys are actually going to work out? And some of these players that I listed just before that, I mean, some of them, they won't work out. Cause that's just, that's just how it is. So I guess, I guess the thing for, uh, for Sherrington uh, is he just needs to keep stockpiling, um, you know, next, next season, he's, he's got to have another really good draft. And the thing is with a baseball team, you see these lists, you see these top 50 prospects list. You only need about five of them to really work out and be really good players. And then you can just kind of fill in the gaps. If you look at the pirates last winning team. All right. So 2015 last, uh, playoff team, 20, 2015. If you look at that team, I mean, the homegrown guys, you had Andrew McCutcheon. He was the star for a team like the pirates. You need, you need a star. You need one guy to be the anchor of uh, the talents. That's just how it is. Homegrown, um, Andrew McCutcheon, he hit. Starling Marte, another international signing, he hit. Neil Walker, pretty much, he was he was good. He hit. Pedro Alvarez, Pedro Alvarez, he was a really high end prospect. Didn't really work out as much as we liked, but in the scheme of that team. He worked out. You only need a few stars, and then you just need just good players. They need to be in the two to three war type of range. If uh, I mean, I would like Nick Gonzalez to be a superstar, and O'Neill Cruz to be a superstar, and uh, Paguero to be a superstar, and Quinn Priester to be a Cy Young candidate. But if Quinn Priester's a number three starter, and Nick Gonzalez is a guy that has an OPS plus in like the one ten ranges. That's fine. You just need someone to to work out and really hit. And it's kind of ironic because this season, 
Brian Reynolds has been that someone on right. this crappy, terrible team. Brian Reynolds has been the star player. He's played like a star player that could be the best player on a championship team. Um, but you just need to stockpile talent and just one through eight. You need you just need good, solid players. And um, I just think I think the Pirates are doing a good job of stockpiling that talent. Uh, I just we'll, we'll just see how long it takes for them to get here. Um, but I, it's like on one hand I'm very excited about about where this team is headed, but on the other hand I'm starting to get a little antsy. I'm starting to get a little impatient, and uh, it's only been it's only been this is only Sherrington's second season. And he's only truly ripped it down, down, down to the studs at this trade deadline where there's absolutely nothing at all left besides some of the core pieces, obviously. But I just, uh, I'm, I'm confident that a lot of these players are going to work out. I really am. I really do believe injuries, injuries aside, you, you pray that most of these players can stay healthy, but I do have I have a ton of confidence in Nick Gonzalez, and I have a ton of confidence in um, O'Neill Cruz and Quinn Priester and all these guys I've just been listing off the whole damn podcast. I have confidence, and uh, I really I really hope it works out. But I guess we'll have to see. That's that's why that's why building a baseball team is pretty difficult. But we'll see we'll see what happens moving forward. Um, do you want to preview this Cubs series a little bit before we get out of here? Yeah, I mean, it's probably going to end up in a more positive result, the White Sox series, so why not? Right, exactly. So, uh, looking at the schedule, four-game series starting tomorrow with the Cubs. Our boy, Mitch Keller, he gets the start, and he will face off against Keegan Thompson. Keegan Thompson, 3-3, three and three, 309 ERA. Not gonna lie, I don't know who Keegan Thompson is. Um, I'm probably not gonna know a lot of these Cubs players currently on the team. Friday, Pirates don't have a or no Friday. Stephen Brault against Alec Mills, who threw a no hitter last year, I believe. So we'll see. But he, I mean, he's not good. Right. Saturday, no listed starter against Kyle Hendricks. The Pirates have actually done pretty decent against Hendricks this season, although Hendricks. Weird year for Hendricks, 14 and six, nice record, but the ERA is at 4.43. He's not, I mean, he's just, I don't think he's very good personally. But uh, Sunday, Will Crow against Zach Davies, another soft tosser. Here's a prediction for you. Our boy Yoshi Sugo, he's going to go off in this series because he likes the soft tossers. And he's getting that in Mills, Hendricks, and Davies. I'm not really sure what kind of cheese Thompson has, but uh, I think I think Yoshi's going to have a really nice series. All right, so give me how many wins? How many wins for the Pirates this weekend at Wrigley? I'm going to say two. Two. Yeah. Okay. I I'm going to go out on a limb here and say three wins for the Pirates. Okay. Yes. I like that three wins and I'm just looking at um, the schedule for the Cubs. Wait one second here. Where's the Cubs at Cubs schedule? I I know, I know at some point they lost like an ungodly amount of games in a row. 
Um, let me see here. Since the trade deadline, obviously, when they traded every one of their players. Lately, they've been okay. Lately, the Cubs, they've won four out of their last seven. But, yeah, there was a time where they lost four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. 10, 11. They lost 12 straight a few weeks ago. So, Cubs aren't good. The Pirates aren't good. I think the Pirates are going to somehow squeak by three wins in this series. And we're going to be happy. We're going to have a happy podcast on Sunday until next week when the Pirates host the Cincinnati Reds. And Oh, shoot. No, they don't. That's that's I'm looking at the Cubs schedule. The Cubs play the Reds after they play the Pirates. After the uh, Pirates take three out of four from Chicago this weekend, the Pirates will host Detroit. So that'll be another chance to win some games. Although kind of mentioned this on the last podcast, Detroit's not bad. 63 and 71. They're they're. See, okay, let me just, one last final point. The Pirates should try to be like the Tigers are this year, next year. The Tigers last year were absolutely terrible. Well, in 2020, I mean, not a real season. But in 2019, I'm pretty sure the Tigers lost, like, more than 110 games. Um, So that's kind of – the Pirates aren't that bad this season, but – the Tigers were terrible. So I think next year the Pirates should should aim for Tigers-like success this year. That's my that's, piece. That's a fair assumption, and I like that thinking. Uh, it's just easier said than done, I feel like. But yeah, um, yeah, I have high hopes for this Cubs series. Um, you talk about Yoshi. I'm going to go over under home runs hit. I'm going to say, and this is going to be a low number, and I apologize, one to two. I say that just because... I feel like Shelton's going to feel a little big about him and start him a lot when Yoshi has proven that most of his success comes off the bench. And I think Shelton's just going to try to play him more every day. And he's not going to thrive under that. If he pinches more often, I'm going to say he finishes with at least three big flies because this guy's got lots of power. But, um, yeah, I I, I think that's where, it's, that's where we're going to stand with Yoshi, depending on how... That's fair. I'll give him one home run this series, and I'm going to give him three extra base hits because I'm feeling feisty about it. All right, Jake, where are we following you on Twitter? Follow me at underscore Radio Jake on Twitter. Awesome. Follow me at Nathan underscore Hirsch, H-U-R-S-H. And follow Bucks Dugout, of course, at Bucks Dugout. We'll be back Sunday after the Pirates play the Cubs. and. Uh, Yeah, that'll be that. All right, Jake. Thank you, as always, for joining me and everyone listening. Have a great rest of your day and peace out.